I can think of nothing better than a good meal with friends around a table. I love the way we share food and drink together and are able to relax into an evening of great conversation. So it was with every Passover, but this Passover was different. On this day, at this table, Jesus grants the gift of his life to them and to us. But at this table of belonging and wholeness, tragically, betrayal and death also lurk. We hear from this passage that Jesus and his friends made preparation. They looked for a place to hold their meal. They went and found the place that Jesus had told them to do. They prepared the meal. For me, half the fun of having people for a meal is preparing menus, getting all the ingredients and then cooking and preparing the meal. Alongside this, there's the inevitable tidy up time and the cleaning of the house and the setting of the table, all part of the ritual. Miss any part out and there's a clear sense that you are not respecting the visitors you, you have coming or the occasion that is happening. Be in no doubt, ritual is important, both in our own lives and also in this story. This was particularly true in the Passover meal, the Pesach celebration, as the Jewish faith would call it. The Passover celebrated how God delivered Israel from slavery into freedom, how God delivered Israel from the bondage of Egyptian power to the liberation of God's holy embrace. At a moment of deep threat, God spared the lives of those who adorned their doorways with the blood of a sacrificial lamb. As death reigned in Egypt, the life promised to God's people was fulfilled. So, we get to this very important meal. If you look at verse 20, you will hear that Jesus was reclining with the twelve. I've often wondered about the word reclining. It's, it's thought that Roman, traditional Roman practice, particularly for Roman soldiers, and indeed Middle Eastern people generally, was to recline on your left buttock. Now, that sounds a bit ridiculous, but it meant that you were relaxed and you were comfortable, but you were also ready with your sword to pull out should it be needed to protect yourself. So the Passover ritual began. The ritual of the Passover meal is still today part of the Jewish year, although we would be mistaken if we thought that it had been the same ritual in Jesus' day. We don't really know the format of the meal as it was, although it's likely that many of the elements were similar. The conversation in the meal flowed, but then during the meal we're told that Jesus told his disciples that one of them was going to betray him. We heard they all looked puzzled and one another said to each other, surely not I, Lord, it's not going to be me, I'm not going to do it. We have the hindsight to know that Jesus was talking about Judas Iscariot. But interestingly, he didn't then throw Judas out of the meal. He just carried on with Judas there remaining at the table. And if you look at verse 31, Jesus tells them that each one of them will fall away on account of me. Each one of them will fall away on account of me. 
You see, it's not just Jesus, Judas that betrayed Jesus, but each one of them. Truth be known, none of us deserve a place at the table with Jesus. We all let him down. But the amazing fact, the amazing truth is that there is room at Christ's table for everyone. No matter who you are, there is room. We have, then we have the most famous phrases which form such a central part of our celebration of Holy Communion. This is my body and this is my blood. It's here where Jesus is making those references to the sacrificial sacrifices in the Old Testament and the story of Abraham, Isaac and the sacrificial lamb. It's, of course, a reminder to all of us of the great sacrifice that Jesus made on our part. So, in this story, we have themes of ritual, of sacrifice, of betrayal, and of forgiveness. But there is also hope. One of the unfortunate things that has happened when, over the centuries, Bible translators have decided the theme of the passage and inserted their own titles. Often, this is helpful. It helps break up the passages, but it wasn't in the original Greek or in the Old Testament in the original Hebrew. It was just one long narrative. The passage, this one, this passage is often known as the Last Supper. But if you read it carefully, it is anything but the Last Supper. It's probably true that it was the last meal that Jesus shared with his friends on the earth. But the point of the story is that Jesus goes to a whole new place to share with them in a whole new kingdom. Verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom. So who does he say he's going to share this glass of wine with? All of you. Interestingly, he doesn't say all of you except for Judas Iscariot and anyone else who lets me down. He said, all of you. I'd like to use a bit of poetic license here. I picture Jesus thinking, yeah, you Judas, there you in my in that room, you, you are forgiven. I've got a big enough heart to forgive you. But there's also room in my heart for the rest of you. For you, James and John, yeah, you know, the ones who haven't quite got it with your arguments about who sits at my right hand and who's the greatest, who's the least. And then you, Thomas, bless you, Thomas. Oh, Thomas, so much doubt, so much worry, so much angst. But you know, Thomas, there is room in my heart for you and you, Mary, and you, Martha, busying yourself around. You are all going to be sharing in that bottle of wine and that meal in the Father's kingdom. You see, we can read this passage as a foretaste of gloom, but actually, I think we should read it as a glorious, a glorious passage of hope. Whoever you are, there is room at the table for you. This is not a select gentleman's club as in the Victorian days. It's not up to us to decide who can and cannot be invited. Despite that fact, it is often the case that people try. The Jesus I believe in is the one who sets an open table, a table which has room for us all.
Stanley Saunders, an American professor, wrote this. The story of the Lord's Supper thus subverts the assumptions that have brought the disciples this far on their journey with Jesus. Our assumptions, too, that this meal is for insiders, for the righteous, for the chosen few who will judge the twelve tribes, for the true believers, the exceptions to Israel's long-standing betrayal of God's prophets. You see, the God of the open table welcomes each one of us. Whoever you are, you are welcome. Whatever you have done, you are welcome. Steve Chalk, the writer and founder of the Oasis Church, wrote a book a few years ago called Being Human. And he talked about some of the experience of the Oasis Church in Waterloo. If you happen to go from Waterloo Station to the Imperial War Museum, you will probably pass the Oasis Church. And they've done a lot of thinking about how they welcome people. So they wrote a kind of like a mission statement, but a welcome statement, something to think about. I'm going to read it to you. Welcome to Oasis Church, Waterloo. Maybe we could say Hounslow Methodist Church. Let's try. Here we try to practice the generous gospel of Jesus Christ. This means you will be mixing with seekers, searchers, and those who have been bruised, those who rejoice and who mourn, those who are worn out, burnt out and exhausted, those for whom life is filled with purpose and direction, those in fulfilling relationships, and those who have failed to love, been cheated in love, or who are afraid to receive love, those of various nationalities and sexualities, those who are strong in their faith and those who are besieged by questions and doubts, those rejected by other churches and those who have found meaningful community here for the first time, those who have broken their promises, those who have been betrayed, those bowed down with burdens, those for whom the grip of alcohol or work drugs or sex, money or unnamed powers is getting stronger and those for whom that grip is loosening. Any goodness knows how many, and sorry, and goodness knows how many others. Indeed, anyone like those Jesus chose to spend time with. This is not a private club. It is a community open to people of goodwill. And though we are not yet strong and vulnerable, enough to show the unconditional love of God at all times. We hope we are moving in that direction. Although we are not yet strong and vulnerable enough to show the unconditional love of God at all times, we hope we are moving in that direction. Welcome to our church. Sadly, so often through the church, the people of the church have forgotten that all are welcome at this table. Often, I'm afraid to say, because of our own misconceptions, personal prejudices and personal attitudes. What I find even worse is when people take words of scripture and twist them to justify their prejudices. Personally, I shudder when someone quotes Bible verses usually out of context, to justify their views and, I'm afraid to say, their prejudices. 
Over the past few years, I've heard this type of justification used to argue against all sorts of things, about immigration, about race, about so many other things, and more recently, about human sexuality. If we believe the Bible is important and relevant today, then the least we can do is to engage with it correctly and learn how to read passages in context. To do anything less is to actually demean the Bible, the word of God. Do that, and the God who welcomes each one of us will give you a much greater understanding of who he is and his plan for each one of us. So, as we walk with Jesus this Lent and Holy Week, I would encourage us all, me included, to examine what our prejudices are and what are the misconceptions we carry with us on this walk. Let's take time to really understand what the Bible is telling us so that when we arrive for glorious meals at the open table Jesus prepares for us, we too can recline at the Lord's table, knowing that we have encouraged others on the way and they've been able to join us in that place. Amen.